God, here we are. Please hear our silent prayers. Hear the cry of our heart that you would speak to us tonight. Thank you, Father. You've seen us through another week. You've brought us here tonight. And Lord, I know people have been going through a lot this week. A lot of stresses, a lot of work, a lot of things going on in our lives. I just pray right now, Lord, that we would hear your voice in a way that's relevant, that's helpful, that really draws us closer to Jesus in a life-changing way. And that we would really know that nothing can separate us from you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I woke up January 17 of 2019, and you'll never guess how I woke up that morning. Jesus woke me up. So, so for those of you who haven't been able to be with us, you can claim the promise of Isaiah 50 verse 4 and ask God to wake you up in the morning. And there's nothing quite like knowing that Jesus woke you up in the morning. But this morning, I really needed to hear from Jesus. So I remember opening my Bible. Actually, I opened my cell phone Bible. That's where I, I like to read a lot on the YouVersion Bible app. And as I was opening it, the verse of the day that's there on the YouVersion Bible app was James 1.17, January 17. And as I read this verse, it was huge for me that morning. Every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. This meant so much to me this morning because God was really going to give me the two best gifts of my entire life. See, I told you about how my wife and I had gone through a journey of infertility for six long years. It was a a huge journey for us of trusting God and believing that He was going to take us. And then we went to that ultrasound and I left you with this, that we saw the gift that God had given us of two babies. And I remember when my wife told me, because I wasn't able to be there, she said, you're never going to believe this, but uh, we're having twins. So are you serious? That's awesome. I was so excited. But then things got really difficult. Over the coming months, um, twin pregnancies can be really, really difficult. And baby A didn't have the umbilical cord that she needed. She didn't have the amount of placenta that she needed. She, she didn't have the amount of fluid that she needed. She wasn't gaining weight like she was supposed to. I mean, they were terrifying us about her not making it at all. Then they were terrifying us about being born really early. And Leah was sick half the time, really, really sick. And we were having to put the protein down there as fast as we could to hopefully build up the baby as much as possible. So when we got to January, we were so excited. And then we were able to schedule that C-section. It wasn't until 36, 37 weeks that we were able to have this baby. And so that day, January 17, I knew that I was getting the two most precious gifts ever. We went to the hospital that morning, and, and one of the gifts was standing, well, was the nurse that we got that day. She said, of any nurse, could I get this particular nurse? And that was the nurse that we got that day. We'd been in the hospital a lot for monitoring, and that was the nurse that was there that morning. Then another gift that we got is one of our own church members is an anesthesiologist. And, and Leah had said, man, if I could get any anesthesiologist, I just, I hope that it could be Dr. Mulder. And it was Dr. Mulder from our church. And he came into the room and with all the family there, we're all gathered around and he had a prayer with all of us. I mean, how many of you get your doctor to come in? He's an elder in our church and have this amazing prayer with us to know that he's going to gift after gift. It felt like God was giving us such a, an incredible day for us. So then we went in there and we got all suited up and we're in for the surgery and Dr. Mulder was there coaching me. He was like right over my shoulder saying, okay, it's okay. You can actually stand and watch this. It was the most horrific thing I've seen in my life, I think. The blood going everywhere and those of you in the medical field are probably fine with it, but I'm not okay with that. I thought that they were going to kill my wife, but apparently they knew what they were doing because within a few moments, we had the most precious gifts Ever. It only takes about five minutes to do a C-section, and after, I think it was just two minutes, and Abby, uh, Olivia was born, and then two more minutes, and Abby was born. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of Light, 
Olivia Joy and Abby Grace. We were so thrilled to have this incredible gift. I didn't even know that I wanted kids, but having these gifts filled my heart like I have never experienced in my entire life. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. That means He never changes. He only knows how to do you good. There's no shifting shadow with God. That means He's always doing you good. Is that good news? To know that no matter what happens, you can know that God is doing you good. How incredible is that? But you know, James chapter 1 and verse 2 says this, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. This is just a few verses before James starts off the book saying, hey, if you fall into various trials, you should actually count those things as joy. Now that's a little bit more difficult for me because I mean, I like it when life goes good. I like when the sun is shining, when I can see that everything's good, but it's a little bit harder to count it joy when things are difficult in my life. Last night we talked about how Jesus will carry you all the way through if you won't wrestle yourself out of his arms. And that's easy to see when things are good, when you see the promises and life is, your finances are good, your school is good, your work is good, whatever it is. It's a little more difficult when things are a little rough in your life. I'd like to introduce you to a new friend of mine. His name is Brett Kiki. Brett Kiki's been going through a really hard time in his life. Uh, He is about to lose his home. He... uh, got convicted of a DUI. He uh, has been going through some rough things in his life. You know how I met him? I was headed home from prayer meeting. Late at night, some people were talking to me after prayer meeting, so it was almost 9 o'clock, and I'm just headed through little tiny Templeton on my way home. Brett lives in Bakersfield. I live in Templeton, about two hours away from there. How are we ever going to meet? How would I ever come to know this guy, to know the problems, the trials that are going on in his life? Except for that as I turn past the Chevron station, and I'm going down this dark street, I see a truck in front of me, it turns off on this road, and then I just keep on going on my merry way, when all of a sudden, bam! Somebody had backed out, and that truck had backed into my car. And it had uh, ripped off the back of my bumper, uh, or actually my whole bumper was ripped off my car. What's your first thought when somebody hits your car? What's your first thought when somebody breaks into your house? What's your first thought when somebody messes with you, when things go bad in your life? Do we count it all joy in that moment? Or do we have some fine words for the individual who's messed up our evening? Well, Brett comes out of the, the car and he's just like apologizing. He's like on the verge of tears. And before long, I realized something. He's inebriated. He's drunk. And he's hit me. Yeah. Do I call the cops and get him, you know? But as I talk to him more, I realize he's going through a really rough time. In fact, he was on his way from a DUI conviction on his way to Bakersfield. And I realized, this guy needs help. And I said, hey, can I pray for you? He's like, what? No, seriously? (laughs) You're going to pray for me? I just hit your car. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I said, no, no, no. Can I pray for you? Look, and, and, and can I convince you to spend the night? Like, you could pull my church. It's just, your, your church? What, what are you? I'm, yeah, I'm a pastor. I hit a pastor tonight. I pull out my phone and, and he's looking at it and there's a picture of my twin girls. I hit, that's your wife and your girls? I hit a, oh, a pastor with twin girls and he's just beside himself. And I said, look, God had you hit the right person tonight. You, you had another two hours to drive. Who knows what would have happened? You're totally drunk. You could have died. You could have killed somebody else. You could have ended up in prison for the rest of your life. Who knows what could have happened to this man's life? But God knew that he needed to hit me. Do I count it all joy when somebody runs into me? Do I expect that every good and perfect gift is from the Father above, even when things don't go all rosy like I might want them to go? 
when things are a little difficult in my life, could it be that a loving Father is still guiding my life? Could it be that He's still blessing and working things out for my good, even when it feels like all hell is breaking loose in my life? I kept in touch with Him a little bit. And at one point, I got a little bit of hope as he texted me that, well, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to my mom who, you know, she brought me up to know Jesus. And I'm going to talk to her a little bit more about that. I don't know where that will lead in his life, but I know that God had a purpose in us meeting, although it was under not the best of circumstances. You know, Jesus says something in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. It's so beautiful. He says, but I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That is not natural. That's not something possible for us. In fact, Jesus is laying out on the mount, uh, as he's giving the Sermon on the Mount, he's really laying out something for us that should lead us to realize we need Jesus. Because that's just not possible for me to do without a converted heart, without His Spirit dwelling in my heart. But I love what He gives as the foundation for the reason for us to do this. I mean, He says, hey, go love your enemies. But He doesn't just say, go do that. And and doesn't give us the reason and the, the foundation for it. The reason for it is the goodness of God, the one who always gives. Verse 45 says, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for He makes His Son rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and on the unjust. He's blessing this planet. He's doing good to every person on this planet. He's giving good gifts. He's pursuing people. He's blessing. And so He wants you to be the same kind of person. Not in your strength, but in His. Like we talked about last night, He wants to carry you through. He wants to make you this kind of person. He's the one that works in us to give us a heart that's filled with love, that delights to actually make other people's lives better, even when they're mistreating us. So you see the story where this really is lived out. You have Saul. He's on his journey to Tarsus. And as he's on his journey to Tarsus, he comes face to face with Jesus. Now, what was he headed to Tarsus to do? He's headed there to kill the followers of Jesus. He's headed there to put to death as many Christians as possible. He's already been doing that. He's been dragging them off, hauling them off, putting them in prison. He's got a notorious name for killing Christians. He shows up. He's on his way to Tarsus, ready to kill more Christians. And when Jesus shows up to him, what do you think he's going to say to him? I mean, we know the story, but in reality, what would you expect Jesus to say to him? But look at what Jesus does with Saul, who later became Paul. Acts 26, verse 14. And when we, had fall, when we all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me, saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. All right, two really awesome things here. One, we know that, that the, the road is narrow that leads to life. But Jesus says here that it is hard to kick against the goads, meaning... The life that is not with Jesus is actually even harder than the life that is with Jesus because God's going to do everything possible in order to draw you into that life that will be with Jesus. Does that make sense? Saying, hey, there's prodding, there's prompting in your life. And Steph to Christ describes it like, hey, the downward path, it, God has made it so difficult that it's hard for the heedless and headstrong to destroy themselves. It's actually more difficult to go down that path. Even though people might say it's more difficult to follow Jesus, in reality, there's so much joy, there's so much peace in it, that it is the happy, fulfilling way in life. Not that there's not happiness or fulfillment anywhere else, but lasting fulfillment is only found in Jesus. So that's that's the, the one part here. But notice what else it says. Why are you persecuting who? Me. Saul's like, who are you? I I don't understand. What are you talking about? I'm headed to kill Christians. Who are you, Lord? But Jesus is saying, you're persecuting me. This is impacting me. And this is the reality that I want you to get tonight, is that when people do things to you, when difficulties come into your life, when you're going through a hard time, Jesus feels every bit of the pain, every bit of the sadness, every ounce of what you go through as if it were done to himself. I mean, Jesus said, 
If you do it to the least of these, you do it to me. So can you imagine what Jesus goes through every day of his life? Seven billion people on this planet, what God is dealing with, the heartache, the heartbreak, the depression, the anxiety, the suffering on this planet, and yet God is there for every person on this planet. He says, why are you persecuting me? Education, page 263, says it this way, that the cross helps us to understand what God is going through. It says, the cross is a revelation to our dull senses of the pain that from its very inception, that's the very start, sin has brought to the heart of God. So on the cross, we we understand all the pain that God has experienced from sin. It goes on to say, every departure from right, Every deed of cruelty, every failure of humanity to reach his ideal brings grief to him. Can you imagine how much grief God goes through on a daily basis? How much pain and suffering? The cross reveals that to us. It reveals a God who is suffering. A God who says, you know, I'm going to let this go on, but it's hurting my heart. It's crushing me. Jesus died. He laid down his life of a broken heart. So Paul says, why? why? Uh, Who are you? And Jesus says, I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And then watch what Jesus does. He doesn't get on him for all that he's been doing and persecuting people. He instantly turns all things for good in Saul's life. He says, but rise, stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister. Yeah, it makes perfect good, perfectly good sense, doesn't it? He's on his way to kill Christians, so let's make him the next hero of the gospel. He's on his way to, to destroy Christianity. Let's turn him into the one that gives this incredible gift of Jesus to the whole world. Verse 18 goes on to say, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who are sanctified by me. Hey, this is what you get to do. You get to go and change the world, Saul, because you are coming to persecute me. I love you, and I choose you, and I want to give you this incredible gift. If God can use Saul, he can use you. God is longing to bless your life with the ability to give people the gift of the gospel. But in our lives, it can be really difficult when things aren't going quite the way that we expect to really count it all joy. It can be hard to understand that Jesus really feels what we're going through, that He really understands every ounce of the pain and suffering that you may have in your life. You know, having two girls in my arms in the hospital, it was real easy to be thankful and to say, hey, yeah, God is a giver of good gifts. Every good gift comes from Him. Everything in my life this is good. That first Sabbath, uh, we got to spend together. We were in the, the hospital for a couple of days because they were born a little early in C-section. And so we were in there for a little bit. And this is our first family portrait, our first Sabbath together. As we came out of the, the hospital room, we got this photo. We were happy. It's easy to do what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. In everything... Give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It's real easy when your babies are happy and healthy, when life is good and the sun is shining. But that day went on, and I remember Leah saying, Oh, I cannot wait for tomorrow when we can finally get out of this hospital. I'm getting sick of this hospital food. And we're just thinking, man, it's a little tight quarters here, and we just can't wait to have our babies at home. They're waking us up in the middle of the night to prick the baby's heels, and it's just, you know, you just, you just want to go home and be in your own bed for a while. So that night, they tell us, Hey, look, you're going to be able to, to hopefully go home tomorrow, but first... We need dad to go out and get the car seats. Get the car seats. Okay, I'll I'll go get the car seats. So I go out to the car. I'm carrying up my two car seats really proudly in the elevator. Everybody like, you have two babies? Yeah, I got twins. I'm real excited about this. So I I go up and I get in the the, 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 hotel. It's far from a hotel in the hospital. But anyway, they do really nice work there, but it's not a hotel. Anyway, so (laughs) I get up there and they, they want us to put the babies in. And they said, we're going to do something called the car seat test. Car seat test? What's that? 
Well, it's where something like, I think it's 90 minutes. I forget if it's the first time it's 90 minutes. But they put them in the, the car seat, and they put an oxygen monitor on them. They put a heart monitor on them, and they just make sure that they're going to be okay in the car seat. Okay, sure. Our babies are healthy. That's great. Put them in the car seat. So they put them in the car seat. They come back. They say, well, Abby did really good. Everything was fine for her. But Olivia didn't pass the car seat test. We said, oh, it's okay. We live around the corner. We live literally within walking distance of the hospital. We will walk our baby home. You can let us take the baby home. No, you can't go home without passing the car seat test. Are you serious? Longer in this hospital. How do we handle the trials and difficulties in our life? It was real frustrating to us. It was real, I mean, and I know you're going through big stuff in your life, but just bear with me now because sometimes the little things can be difficult. Sometimes you get a little frustrated by the small things in your life. And that day we were not having it. We were saying, look, there's got to be some way you let us go home. There's got to be something that you can do. Nope, you got to wait for the car seat test tomorrow. You know, we've got to come to realize that God is on our side, that He's a giver of good gifts, that that He has your good in mind all the time. Ministry of Healing says it this way, when notwithstanding disagreeable circumstances, we rest confidingly in His love. That's being sheltered in the arms of Jesus like we talked about last night. And shut ourselves in with Him. The sense of His presence will inspire a deep, tranquil joy. That's how you can have joy in the midst of a trial. That's how you can be excited when everything is going bad in your life. Romans 8.28 says it this way, And we know that all things work together for good for those who, are God, for those who love God to those who are the called according to His purpose. This is a common verse, a well-known verse. But let me help you think about it like this. Okay, so uh, we got a rope here today to help us think about what God is really up to in our lives. Because sometimes things don't feel so good. Sometimes when you get stuck in the hospital, things don't feel like the right thing. Sometimes it doesn't feel like God is really working out good for you. Uh, when, when, when somebody hits your car, it doesn't feel like all things are working together for good. And I want you to imagine eternity, right? Let's imagine that this rope goes on forever and ever and ever, okay? Can you imagine that? It's, it's pretty hard to imagine, but let's imagine that this represents eternal life. Now, I want you to, is anybody here a really good mathematician? Anybody good with math? If you, how, how much of this rope would represent our lifetime if you were to to compare it to eternity okay so let's say this rope goes on forever and ever how much space would you put on here for a lifespan let's say a hundred years if we lived a hundred years <laughs> this much <laughs> one inch <laughs> really it'd be infinitely small because this is infinitely long right fractionally it, it would be but let's just do this can you see that you know see let's say this represents our life right here now a lot of times in our life, as we're going through, you know, we're born, and then here you went to, to high school, there you went to college, there you got married. Can you see that? Okay. Make sure you guys are... I, I made it orange so you can make sure you see that. Right? Then you found a job, you, you had kids, and then you work for all this time because you're looking forward to this time right here when you get to retire, and from here to here, you hope to... But sometimes this is cut a little short, or you get sick, and... He, And we're thinking about this, and we're like, Ah, God, why did this happen to me? I lost my job here, and this happened. Uh, Oh, man, I cannot believe that they did this. Oh, I went through this. Oh, no, I lost my house. I don't know what it is in your life. Maybe you've been through some really, really tough things. But I want you to know something. God is concerned about a much bigger picture in your life. God is thinking about forever with you as His friend. And He's thinking about, hey, I cannot wait to come back to get them, to be with them forever. And I want to do whatever it takes. And and it may be sometimes it's a little bit painful in this stretch of time. It may may hurt a little bit, but, but what I'm thinking about is that there's unending years together with this person that I'm willing to do whatever it takes in their life. 
in order to help them fall in love with me. In order to work all things together for good. In order to help as many people as possible to find Jesus as their best friend. But it can be hard to trust because we're so focused in on these details. Like, Lord, I want to be rich right here so that I can enjoy this right here. And and this, this, I I just want to maximize this right here. And we're so dialed into this life. And we forget about all of this. There's so much more that Jesus is concerned about than this life. And He promises that He works all things together for good. That doesn't mean that He's going to make you wealthy in this life. That doesn't mean that your life is going to be easy here. But He does promise to be with you now. He does promise to see you through anything. He does promise to fill you with the Holy Spirit and the Spirit will give you love, joy, peace, and what else could you really ask for? All things work together for good. Look at what Romans 8.31, this is how we can really know it. Romans 8.31 says this, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, so if God is the one that gives us good gifts, if God is on your side, if He's chosen you, then who could possibly be against us? Oh man, this is phenomenal. This should, this should get us to shout. This should get us to stand. This should get us to cheer like the me- best football game we've ever seen. God is on your side. The infinite God of the universe is on your side. He's not out to condemn you. He's not out to keep you out of heaven. But He wants to do everything possible to see you through this life. Amen. Verse 32, He who did not spare His own Son. Now, this is how you can know for a fact I used to look at this and think, well, man, I mean, why didn't he come himself? Why didn't the Father come himself? I would rather die myself than to give up one of my daughters. Becoming a parent has helped me realize that you would much rather go through the pain yourself than to go through the agony of seeing something happen to your child. And he's perfectly loving. I'm not a perfectly loving father. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not with him also freely give us all things? Freely. Give you everything. Anything that you need in your life is promised to you. And you can know that because there is a cross of Jesus Christ where Jesus went and he laid down his life for you and he said, hey, if it were possible... I'm laying down my life so that you could live. And he was physically feeling like he was laying down his eternal life. He was giving up everything for you. He was saying in essence that God is unselfish. He's giving that he would rather that you live than that he live. He'd rather that you be happy than that he be happy. That's how much the infinite God of the universe cares about you. That's how much he loves you. And I've got to remember this in my own life in order to make it through the difficulties that I face. Because life isn't always easy. Ministry of Healing, page 488, says it like this, The Father's presence encircled Christ, and nothing befell Him but that which infinite love permitted for the blessing of the world. Here was His source of comfort, and it is for us. The same comfort you can have that that the Father's surrounding you, that He's protecting you, that He's there for you. He who is imbued with the Spirit of Christ abides in Christ. Whatever comes to Him comes from the Savior who surrounds Him with His presence. Nothing can touch Him except by the Lord's permission. Oh man, this is incredible. You can know that when those difficulties come into your life, whatever trial you're facing, that Jesus loves you so much that He wouldn't allow that to come into your life except for that somehow, out of the mess of that situation, He's going to bring infinite good. Now this doesn't mean that He wanted the really rough things that have happened in your life. This doesn't mean that He designed those things, but it means that in this planet that's filled with sin and pain and heartache, that God is protecting you and providing for you, and He's got eternity in mind for you. Eternity with Him. So the next day comes and we're waiting around to get out of the hospital. We cannot believe that we are stuck in the hospital. I mean, we're so fixated on the fact that we just want to get out of the hospital. 
We cannot wait till that next. How soon can we get this next car seat test? Please, can it happen? I mean, they said, look, it's got to wait till the night shift comes on. The night shift nurse comes on. It takes her a while. Okay. I went to sleep because I like to, to go to sleep early. And then I would take the early morning hours with the girls. So I went to sleep before the car seat half, test happened. I wake up sometime around midnight to the nurse coming in. And then it's about time to start my shift. So I get up. I'm all excited. Like, how did it go? My wife says, she failed again. Great, another day in the hospital. I mean, what does this mean? Well, it's, it's a little strange. So they actually, they, they brought in an oxygen monitor and they, they put it on Livy so that she could, while she was sleeping, have the oxygen monitor on. And we're, they're teaching us how to read it. They're looking at, at, at these waves and teaching us how to, how, to, how to read it to know that she's doing okay. And then the nurse leaves, and Leah's watching it, I'm watching it. And I was going over, and I was doing something else, and all of a sudden Leah says, it's, it's dipping down. I said, well, remember she said that sometimes it gets the wrong reading, and uh, it's, it's probably no big, no, it's going really low. It's getting down into the, like, 70s, I think it was. This isn't good. I, okay, I'll go get the nurse. So I went out, and I got the nurse, and she came in. She's like, well, you know, it gets the readings sometimes get off. And so she's looking at it. She's like, we've got to go to the nursery. She takes Livy. She rushes her down the hall. And here we are following one of our babies down the hall to the nursery. And they get into the nursery and pretty soon they're calling for the respiratory therapist to come. It's one, one in the morning and our baby girl is in trouble. I remember watching her there on the table she was just screaming, struggling to breathe. Her, her chest was going in and out. And, and I felt so helpless, wondering, what are we going to do? How are we going to be able to help our baby? Before long, the respiratory therapists were actually, this, you can see the clock there, it says 1.23 in the morning. They're, they're using a bag to give her breath. Pretty soon that was the only thing keeping her breathing. They would take the bag off and... She wouldn't breathe. So they'd wait maybe seven seconds and they put the bag back on and keep her breathing. It's one of the hardest moments of my entire life. I don't know if you can see my wife and I there as we're watching. This is a few hours later. They called for, there's not a NICU in this hospital, but they had to call on the NICU uh, response team to get the ambulance and this machine to be able to intubate our baby, to put her in this like submarine thing. It, it was going to take a long time to get there. So this is close to like 3 a.m., I think, when they come in. But you can see that it's not easy when things go wrong in your life. When you think, maybe my daughter is not going to breathe again. When you think, I thought God gives good gifts. I thought that He saw us through all of this. I thought, I thought we went through all of this so that we could have an amazing testimony that God is just this wonderful God and a good giver of good gifts. And now, you're telling me that my daughter is not going to make it? Romans 8.24 says this, For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? I have good news for you tonight. If you can't see the way forward, if things look dark for you, if you don't know the answers to the problem in your life, hope is not based on what you can see. Faith is not based on what you can see. It's based on who you know. And His name is Jesus. And He's a giver of good gifts. And nothing can separate you from His love. It's okay to not know the way forward. It's okay to feel like you don't have the answers. But you got to cling on to hope. And that hope comes from knowing Jesus. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with eager patience. We eagerly wait for it with perseverance. I was memorizing actually Romans 8 at this leading up to having the girls. And I'm so thankful that, that these words were coming back to my mind. That, that I had these thoughts of hope and courage to know who Jesus is. But that didn't make it easy. I didn't make it the, a joyful moment. It was difficult to count it all joy. It was difficult to give thanks and everything that night. They brought this submarine-like thing in and they told us, hey, we're going to have to intubate her put her in this and put her in the ambulance. 
You're watching your baby girl be put inside of this box, wondering if you'll ever get to hold her again. Everything started off so good. I remember as they told us, okay, you can reach in through here and we're going to take her off. And, and specifically as the, the, the one guy was talking to Leah, he said, hey, you can say... And she knew that he was going to say, you can say goodbye to Livy. But he switched it and he said, you, you can say hello to Livy. We didn't know if we were ever going to get to hold her again. We didn't know if that was the end of Livy's life. Romans 8.35 says this, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Paul saying, hey, your life may be filled with some really, really tough things. Nakedness, famine, peril, sword, tribulation, distress. Your life might deal with some tough things. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors, verse 37 says, through Him who loved us. It's about who you know. It's about knowing Jesus. Well, they told us, hey, you go ahead and get started going down there. You drive down because we don't want you to be tempted to follow the ambulance. And as we're driving down, my mom and dad were with me while Leah and some friends and her parents stayed back in the hospital so that they could stay with Abby. We now have babies headed to a different hospital. As we're driving down, my mom and dad and I were just praying, we're crying, we're claiming promises. Every promise that, that could come to mind, I'm trying to think of it. And in those moments, you don't want to be like, hey, Jesus, I know I haven't like, gotten to listen to you. I haven't really thought about you lately. And, and, and I don't really know what you have to say, but let me go find out in my Bible in this moment. That's why Jesus wants us to be watching and praying before we get into the trials and difficulties. That's why he encouraged Peter, like, hey, now is the time to watch and pray because there's a difficult time coming in your life. Things might be smooth for you now, and now is the time to watch Jesus. And to pray. And the ambulance came driving past us. And there was my little daughter headed down the hill. I didn't know what was going to happen to her. I didn't know if she was going to be okay. We got down there. And I remember Leah uh, telling me later that she was praying with her prayer partner in the, the room with Abby, holding Abby, wondering if Abby is going to have the same problem. And she said, God, you've just got to give me some sort of hope. you just got to give me some sort of assurance. And my dad's there. He loves to take pictures. And so he's there. We get into the NICU. And once we're in the NICU, he takes this picture of them caring for Livy. He texts it to the family group. And Leah texts back, are you serious? You see, this lady here is a NICU nurse that night. Her name is Jewel. And she had just started attending our church. And we gotten to know her, and Leah's hoping for just a little sign, a little window of hope. And there is Jewel caring for our daughter of all nights. She happened to be on duty, and she happened to be assigned to our baby. But still, it's difficult to watch your baby and not understand. I mean, I'm not a medical person. I'm, I'm watching my little baby there. I'm looking at the monitors. I'm not understanding what's going on. You hear alarms going off, and you're wondering, is my little girl going to be okay? Is she going to make it? Will she ever breathe on her own again? Psalm 103, verse 13 says this, As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. And I can tell you, I would have done anything possible to, to rescue Livy in that moment. And we've got to realize that that's how God feels about us. You know, I've had this picture of God that He's like, He kind of enjoys sending trials. He kind of enjoys making my life a little difficult. But now that my girls are getting to the age where they need a little bit of discipline, so in our living room, there's a fireplace. And it's not good for babies to touch fireplaces. That's just not, not the best thing. So, we don't want to have to gate off everything in our house. And so we've made a little rule. Okay, girls, don't touch the fireplace. And I can't tell you how much I want for them, even when it's not on and they're headed over there and they're about to touch it. And I'm just thinking, please don't touch the fireplace. It's not going to kill you, but I hate to walk over and give you a little flick on your hand. I hate to watch you cry. The last thing in the world I ever want to do is discipline my child. I hate disciplining children. 
And your Father in Heaven loves you infinitely more than I do. Amen. I'm a selfish human being. He is a Father who pities you. Who doesn't waste any of your pain. Who allows you to go through things only because He has your good in mind. And it's important that we grasp this. Because Jesus actually says that we need to grasp this difference. And, and we need to understand God's love so that we can be open vessels to receive the Holy Spirit. Luke 11 verse 13 says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Friends, I want to encourage you, every day, ask for the Holy Spirit. Ask for the presence of Jesus in your life. Because that is what will see you through the difficulties. That's what will give you joy and peace in the hard times. The fruit of the Spirit, you think about it. If you had love, joy, and peace in your life, let alone the rest of the fruit of the Spirit, would you ever need to turn to a substance? Would you ever need to turn to a relationship? Would you ever need to turn to anything but Jesus? That's what he's longing for us to experience in our lives. As a father pities his child, so the Lord pities you. I can tell you that we would do anything to rescue Livy in that moment. We were just longing for her to be able to breathe on her own again. We were hoping that she would be okay. Ministry of Healing, page 488, says this. All our sufferings and sorrows, all our temptations and trials, all sadness and griefs. How much does that include? All our persecutions and privations. In short, all things work together for good. Can you think of anything that's not included there? Everything in your life is for your good. That's what God is telling you. He says, I am really for you. I am on your side. If God is for us, who could be against us? God will work all things together for your good. And it goes on to say this, all experiences and circumstances are God's workmen whereby good is brought to us. So I want you to do something. This, is, this has helped me a little bit. You know, when a trial comes, I try to picture like a little, I don't know, a little elf or a little worker or something. Like he says, all of them are workers. Just imagine like somebody carrying a present to you. And when you're, somebody hits your car, when something difficult happens in your life, just know that God is sending you a little present because he loves you and wants what's good for your life. Amen. It's real hard to get that perspective, but the more that we know Jesus as our loving Savior, the more that we'll trust him, even with the difficulties that we face. Amen. Well, as we were there, um, the doctor said, hey, if something happens where she's struggling again, she fought really hard against the uh, what they were doing to her uh, to be intubated and all of that. If she wakes up and she starts fighting really hard again, just take her off and see if she starts breathing again. And so within a few hours, they were able, as she was fighting and screaming, they took out the tube and she was able to breathe on her own again. She still had to spend five days in the NICU being monitored to make sure that she was going to be okay. And she had, I think, another slight episode during that time. But I'm here to tell you that we have a merciful God. Even if the story had ended differently, we have a loving God. And what will see us through is trusting our best friend that we get to know through the Bible. Romans 15 verse 4 says, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning that we through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. God wants you to be immersed in the Bible. God wants you to know the story of Joseph and David and all these people who went through really difficult times in their life so that when you go through a trial, you can have hope and say, I know that God has my good in mind. You can remember these situations and you can be filled with hope through the instruction of the Bible. Psalm 119 verse 50 says, This is my comfort and my affliction. For your word has given me life. We've got to love his word. In fact, in Jeremiah it says, Your words came to me and they were the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Jesus said, Your word is it's, it's like bread. Thy word, it, it, it's as important as bread to you, right? Another thing that was super important in this time was spiritual community. 
I remember one night um, we got this email. It was sent out to the whole church group uh, from one of our elders. It said, church family, as you have probably heard, Olivia and Abby are having a tough time. I'm asking that you will join Nadine and I with the church at 7 p.m. to pray for me, for the girls, and for Zach and Leah. If you can't make it, please keep them in your prayers today. Hope to see you at 7. And as I drove home that night, I drove past the church, I saw some cars in the parking lot. To know that people are praying for you in difficult times, that's why you've got to stay connected to this church. That's why you've got to stay connected with those who believe. That's why you need spiritual friends in your life who can encourage you in your walk. Don't try to go it alone in seeking Jesus. Don't try to go it alone in your friendship with Jesus. But find people around you who are looking to Jesus, who are making friends with Jesus, and get close to them and ask for encouragement, ask for instruction, and encourage other people so that you can be in it together. And pray. It's powerful to know that people are praying for you and that people are praying together is such an incredibly powerful thing. I'll tell you, I've never had such an easy time waking up in the morning in my life. For those five days, Leah was in the hospital for several days with Abby. I would wake up at Four o'clock in the morning, I'm getting in the car, I'm headed down to the hospital, I'm going to the NICU just to hold Olivia. The doctor told, told us, he said, you know, if anything could help her, it would be giving her skin-to-skin time with her parents. And so, I would literally be in there all day long. The nurse would come and be like, you know, you could go like out to lunch, you could go have a break, you could do something, you know, I'm supposed to be caring for the baby, you're changing all the diapers, you're doing everything here, the, the nurse is supposed to do something, but I, I said, well, do you want me to leave, you want me to go, I, I, I can go if I'm supposed to, will it be better for Olivia? No, 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 you can stay if you like to, I mean, it's okay, I'm just worried about you, I said, no, it, I just want to be with my baby. Amen. How much more does God care about you? How much more does God want to be with you? How much more, I mean, so, so often we think, oh yeah, God's written me off. He, he's distant from me. He's, he's not wanting to be close to me. God is there. He loves you. He wants you. The only question is, is your heart open to Him? As a father pities his child, so your God pities you. Praise God that within five days we were able to bring Abby and Olivia home. Abby went home a few days earlier, but to hold those two babies and to see the love even that they had for themselves as they snuggled together for the first time since they were brought out of the hospital filled my heart with so much joy. And that's what Jesus has in mind. So often we're we're thinking about this time period and we're thinking about the difficulties that we're going through. Why doesn't God make it so much easier? But Jesus is thinking about that time when He gets to bring you home. When He gets to be with you. And with everybody else that you get to share Jesus with. And he's thinking about, yeah, a million years from now, when you and I are hanging out, you're not even going to remember those tiny little difficulties that you went through. We've got to trust that all things work together for good. And we can trust it because we have a God who gave his life for us. For I am persuaded, Romans 8 goes on to say, that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers nor things present nor things to come. This story could have ended entirely different is what this tells me because it could be death or life. Some of you may have lost a child, you may have lost a loved one, the story may have ended differently. And I hope that I could still share this today if it had ended differently. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And this is incredibly good news. Nothing can separate you from the love of Jesus. Not death, not life. Nothing can separate you from His love. Summarized in another way, it says this in the upward look, page 180. It says, the love of Jesus is stronger than death. Let that sink in. What could be stronger than death? That's the one thing that we really don't know how to defeat. And yet love is stronger than that. That's what the cross proved because Jesus was resurrected. There is hope because love is stronger than death. 
For He died to win your love, to have you lean upon Him fully and entirely, to make you one with Him. That was His entire goal. The most tender love we know is that of a mother for her child. But the love of Jesus exceeds that. She may change in her affection. Mothers may become unkind, but Jesus never, never will become unmindful or unkind or cruel to His children then never, never will we show distrust and want of faith. So strong is His love. Just get this, okay? If you get nothing else tonight. So strong is His love that it controls all the affections of His nature and He employs all His vast resources to do His people good. Let that sink in. The God of the universe is the infinite One who breathes out stars, who controls the courses of the stars, who, who, who knows every atom and knows how to, to make all of this universe work. And to hold it all together, He's holding you together too. And He's employing all of His vast powers to do you good. God is on our side. And if God is for us, who could possibly be against us? His love is durable without variableness or shadow of turning. God is a giver of good gifts and there is no shifting shadow with Him. Every circumstance in your life when you're trusting in Jesus that comes to you, you can know is for your good. He's going to turn it around for your good. He may not have designed, He didn't didn't want us to live on a sinful planet, but He will turn it all around for your good. And one day, when we're together forever with Jesus, He's going to help it all make sense. He's going to heal it all. He's going to wipe away every tear from your eyes. And in that day, it will be well worth having walked with Jesus. I'm so thankful for life. I'm so thankful for love. I'm so thankful for my little girls. They turned a year old. They're healthy. They're breathing. They're perfectly fine. It was just a maturity thing from being born early on. God is a giver of good gifts. Tonight, I don't know what things you've been going through. I don't know how big your trials are. I'm sure they're probably bigger than mine. You've probably been through a lot worse situations. People have treated you a lot more unkindly. But tonight, I just want to know, will you give it to Jesus? Will you trust Him with it? Will you say, okay... I believe. I don't, I don't know. I don't see the way forward. I don't have hope. But, but I'm willing to say, okay, I trust who you are. And I want to know you more. If that's your desire, I just want to invite you to stand as we pray together. Father, thank you. You are loving, you are good, you are faithful. Help us to open our hearts more and more and more to you. Thank you that you are a giver of good gifts. Thank you that you work all things together for good in our lives. Thank you that every person in this room, you have designed them with a purpose to live with you forever. And that you want to fulfill them, you want to provide for them now, that you want to fill them with the Holy Spirit, that you want heaven to start now in their hearts. Lord God, we just want to say that as for us, we want to trust you, we want to know you, we want to believe in the God who is for us. We want to believe that nothing can separate us from your love. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.